Well, good morning. My name is Phil Nelson. I'm so glad to be here with you this morning as we launch a brand new series called Let's Fight. Can you say Let's Fight? No, I'd rather not. Thank you. Let's fight. And I'll get into that in just a moment. But as we were worshiping, you know, my mind went to this illustration. Maybe you can't relate, but have you ever had, you know those tags in the back of your shirt that just kind of just annoy the crud out of you? And if you don't, you, you know, you try to tuck it back in. And you deal with it for a little bit, and then all of a sudden you get that itch again, and it just annoys you. You can't think about what you're talking about or what you're doing at work. It's just that, just that itch. And I mean, really, the only way to get around it, two ways. Number one, deal with it, or just tear it off, right? Some of you at home maybe can relate. Maybe there is a crack in your wall that just drives you crazy, Maybe the picture is just not balanced right. Or maybe there, like in my case, there's a little splotch of paint from the wall to the ceiling that only I can see, but it drives me crazy. But I don't do anything about it, so I just kind of forget that it's there. I get numb to it until, for some reason, my eyes go to it. Right? We live with the tag. We learn to live with the irritation. We learn to just become numb to it until it really starts itching. And we came out of a series, a three week series, just, we ended last week. And it was addressing major issues that are right at our front door, around us at school, at work, in public settings, in our home. And yes, it had a lot to do with the abortion issue we're facing, but we realized and we discovered that it's not an abortion issue we have, it's not a sex issue we have, it's not an addiction issue we have, it's not, you name it, it's called, we have a worship problem. We have gotten away from worshiping the one true God, and we have pursued all these different other false gods, and it's kind of like we say, well, why would a loving God allow this to happen? It's because he's a loving God, and he's also a holy, just God, perfect in all goodness, and he allowed us to have the freedom to choose him or not to choose him, and we didn't choose him. And so what we see is kind of what we get. But God is so good and he's so patient with us and he's calling the church to wake up. And so if you've been with us these last three weeks and you've been fasting and praying with us this last week, God has gripped your heart. And we are called as believers, as Christians, to do something about it. But as we discovered the last three weeks, it's not about doing something about it. It's how we do something about it. And so we kind of left the series open-ended. Some of you may have thought, well, what are we going to do about it? Good question. What are you going to do about it? And then what are we going to discover through this next series called Let's Fight of how God designed us to fight the darkness around us? We are to fight as believers the domain of darkness. 
correct? How many of you know that there are, there's darkness around us, right? If, you, if you're not aware, just step outside, or how about this? Just look at your neighbor to the left and to the right, and then hold up a mirror right there. Yep, there's darkness all around you. Because we live in a fallen world, okay? And we're called as Christians to stand up, to rise up, to make a difference for the kingdom of God. But what does that look like? How do we do that? Especially in a world of social media and politics and schools that just don't want to talk about Christianity, let alone religion. How do we do that in a, in a, in a culture that includes everything? And it's now politically incorrect to be exclusive. How do we respond? And just like that tag in the back of your shirt or the picture frame that's just not right or the spot on the ceiling, my prayer is that we would not grow accustomed and comfortable to the issues that we were so disturbed about these last three weeks, that we would not just go with the normal flow and just start allowing the current of this world, the patterns of this world to take us downstream. God is doing something in your hearts. There is a tag on the back of your shirt for a reason. There is a crack on the wall or in the wall for a reason to let you know something's not right. You need to fix it. And so my prayer for us as we go through this series is that we would not get comfortable with the tap on the shoulder from Father God. We would not be comfortable with the darkness and the hurting and the broken and the murder and all the darkness that's going on. Because we were called as Christians to be light. And if you're not aware of the darkness around you, you cannot be light. And so we're going to enter a series called Let's Fight. We are called to fight. Say, we are called to fight. Now, 100% of you, we are called to fight but we need to fight according to God's design. We need to fight according to God's design. When we get away from God's design, there is nothing but destruction and unhealthy things that happen. How many of you, you don't raise your hands, how many of you have had negative experiences of the thing we call church? How many of you have grown up and just seen man-made religion and you said, you know what, if this is Christianity, I want nothing to do with it. It's because we, we get off base from how God designed us to be as the body of Christ. And this series, if you let it, will change your life, will allow you to fight in the way that God gives authority and power and blessing. Don't we want that when we go out and we fight and we try to make a difference, we actually see it? There is a way of fighting to do that. But we have to follow the biblical design. And so this series, we're going to take two weeks 
on each weapon or way that we fight. Number one, we fight by the foundation of truth. Number two, we're going to fight in our everyday worship that includes worship, but is not exclusive to, excuse me, music, but is not exclusive to music. Do you know that worship is a lifestyle? It's not a concert. Do you realize that you can worship without ever listening to a song? You are the song. (laughs) Your life, your heart, your actions, your hands and feet are the song to Jesus. And I'm so excited for us to get to worship. And then we're going to look how we fight through a lifestyle of prayer. And then maybe the best one, but the hardest one, is we fight through our unity as fellow Christians, brothers and sisters, and family members. We fight the darkness by our love for one another, by our love for the lost, by our compassion and our passion to reach the lost together. That's when we're going to see kingdoms of darkness fall. So would you pray with me? Father, We realize that apart from your son, Jesus, who is our savior, who came and paid it all for us, and he paved the way for us to live our lives, we acknowledge that we can do nothing apart from Jesus. And Father, we also acknowledge that your holy presence through Holy Spirit is the only way that we can understand your word, is the only way that we can be convicted of our waywardness and our our wickedness and our sin. It is the only way that we can have new life through your son, Jesus. Your Holy Spirit is real. And it lives within every person who proclaims you as Lord, who believes you as Lord, and receives you as Lord. And so now God changes through the power of your word through the power of your spirit, through the power of your son Jesus, and through the power of all the unity of all the believers in this place and listening on live stream and also online. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna start our series off with the foundational scripture. And it's found in Ephesians 6. We're gonna read from the New Living Translation. So if you have the ESV, just kind of follow along. Or... You can uh, look um, at the scripture here. So we're, we're going we're gonna to look at the battle that we're facing in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. 10 through 13, I think that's just verse 12. So follow with me if it's not on the screen, okay? Ephesians. A final word from the Apostle Paul. Be strong, Say, be strong, be strong. Hey, can you look to the person to your left? Say, be strong. You're probably talking to the back of their head. I know that, I'm sorry. (laughs) Look to the person next to you and say, be strong. I know, if I was in your seat, I'd be uncomfortable too. Stop telling me what to say. But it's so, do you realize that there's power in the spoken word? That's another message. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of the worldly armor. No. Put on all of God's designed armor. 
that you will be able to, what's those two words? Stand firm. Say stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Could we read that together loud and strong? Because you just said, be strong. So let's read that. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Sing it. Therefore, verse 13, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the times of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. So from this scripture, I want to rest for a moment on three key themes that we're going to see throughout this six-week series, eight-week series, right? I did not major in math. Theater, so you do the math. (laughs) All right, number one, we have a real battle. Say, I'm in a real fight. I'm in a real fight. You are. You are. You're not fighting your neighbor. We're not fighting the abortion clinics. We're not fighting the people who disagree against us. We're not fighting against Iraq. We're not fighting against Muslims and Islam. We're not fighting against that. We are fighting against the powers of darkness. This is a real battle. And we can't necessarily see it completely and fully in in our eyes, in our physical eyes. But this spiritual battle that we're talking about, that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, is more real than what we are facing right now today in 2019. So much more real. It's what's going to last. We are in a real fight, and it's for your eternal spiritual lives. Do you believe that in your life? Because I promise you, once you are drawing attention to that spot on the ceiling again, and the tag on the back of your neck, and you realize This is a spiritual fight, and I'm fighting with other people, and I'm fighting with myself and my family. The enemy's winning. We are in a real battle, and it's not flesh and blood. Number two, there is a real enemy. There is a real enemy. And his name is Satan. And he was one of the most incredible, powerful, beautiful worship leaders. Head of all worship in heaven. And he wanted to have the throne. And because there's only one true God, he could not stay there. And he was cast down to the earth to where he roamed around. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 that the devil is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And Paul says, stay alert. Wake up. Watch out. Don't be a fool. Don't be ignorant. 
He is looking for those who aren't looking for him. You know, I love this. In a book of um, uh, Randy Elkhorn is a writer of uh, Lord Falgren's letters. It's, 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 it's kind of like off of C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters. And it's the different demons writing to Satan, okay, a novel. And um, Satan basically says to his demonic entourage, he says, you know, humans see us as the devil in a red costume in a horror flick with a pitchfork and horns coming out of the ears and red paint and really scary. And they said, good, that's our tactic. They'll never see us coming. Satan was an angel of light. And even the demons believe in Christ and the power of God and tremble. We have a real enemy who is after your life. If you have said, I claim Jesus as Lord, and you've been baptized, showing what God has done in the inside out, the enemy hates your guts. You disgust him, and he is out to make your life a living hell. Why? Because if he can make your life a living hell, he keeps you from advancing the kingdom of God. Look at your life. It should all make sense in that sense, in that perspective. Look at your life. I look at the last four weeks of taking our church to a place where the demons of darkness did not want us to address. Amen? There is a battle raging. The enemy does not want us to gather like this and to start to wake up. We have a real enemy. And if we're not careful and we are not alert, we will never see him coming. Some of you are living a life where you have given him access and you're allowing him to stay in your residence. It's time to kick him out. It's time to give the enemy an eviction notice because we have a real enemy, but number three, we have a real victor and Jesus Christ is his name. Let me just try that again. We have a real victor. We are on the winning team. We don't have to live in fear because the end has already been then written And it's through Jesus Christ who died for your sin, was raised to life by the spirit that actually lives in every believer so that we can overcome fear. And guess what? The enemy is supposed to be under your feet. And yet we walk around as if we're being squashed by the enemy. Something is wrong. And we're not able to fight the darkness when that's happening. And that's the point. That's what he fights for. But every time we stand at the cross and we declare the name of Jesus, they tremble. Darkness trembles at the name of Jesus. We need to start learning as Christians to fight our battles God's way. We will win every time. Every time. Look at this. 
I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness. Could you say with me incredible greatness? Incredible greatness. How can you say incredible greatness with a frown and like pan face? Let's say it again. Incredible greatness. Ready? Incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. And seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. Now he is far above. Far above now. Meaning after he paid the ultimate sacrifice. Was risen. Conquered death. Conquered sin. Conquered the grave. Now he is far above any ruler. Or authority. Or power. Or leader. Or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Remember the spiritual battle we were talking about? God has put all, this is really good news. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church, for the benefit of you. So you can fight your battle that, uh, that is around us. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Guys, that should change us. And that allows us to go and fight the darkness God's way. Do you realize that you have power and authority? My prayer, Daniel's prayer, the leader's prayer through this series, honestly, is that only God can do this. But that you would have heart surgery and understand who you are in Christ. Understand the authority and the power that you have. The demons are scared to death of you. But yet we live lives that are scared to death of the enemy. We won't be able to fight God's way that way. So we have a real battle that we're fighting, a real enemy, and we have a real victor. Colossians 2 says this, I love this, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life, in him and with him, because you trusted the mighty power of God. Do you trust the mighty power of God? Because if you do, it says you were raised to new life. And you have the authority. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. That is a miracle that only God's power can do. For he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, here it is. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. And so, friends... If this battle that we are fighting is absolutely real and spiritual, then does it make any sense at all that we would respond in a way that is anything but spiritual? We somehow think we can fix anything and everything, man. We think that we're 
God's gift to humanity and creation. He's given us all authority to do everything in our own strength and power. No, it says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We somehow think that in our own strength and in our own intelligence, in our own manipulation and perseverance and endurance and skill, that we can change the powers that are controlling this dark world. It is not the government. It is not the economy. It is the spirits of darkness that are waging war against you and God's chosen people. So today we're looking at the word truth. We're spending two Sundays on truth because if you don't understand truth and then you don't understand how to apply it, you're not even getting to the battlefield and you're getting knocked down. It goes on in Ephesians 6 to talk about our armor. And we may get into that a little bit more specific in the weeks to come. But it talks about truth being the belt. How many of you know I was thinking of a comment here. How many of you know that the belt keeps everything together? And especially for the millennials, pants to the ground is not the way to fight your battles. That's all I'm going to say. Looking like a fool with the pants. Hello? In the truth, we got to figure out what the truth is, but the truth of God says it holds everything together. It holds your armor. It holds your weapons. It is the center gravity. It's the centermost force of holding all of our spiritual stuff together. And yet, sadly, we don't walk in truth. Why? Because we don't know it. And I'm not talking about just the Bible. I'll get to that in a minute. I love what Ravi Zacharias says. He says this, truth by definition is exclusive. Remember, this is is why this rubs us the wrong way. We live in a culture that is not exclusive anymore. It's inclusive of everything. Everyone, everything, every idea, every thought, everything is okay. Except Christ, that is, right? Somehow. Truth, by definition, is exclusive. Everything cannot be true. Students, everything you hear is not true. I tell you what, I heard as a kid all the time, not just from my parents, but from all the adults looking out for me, somehow trying to fix my life and live my life for for me. They would say, look, you can believe anything you want, but it doesn't mean that it's right. You can believe whatever you want in your life. You have the free, God-given choice to believe whatever you want, but that doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't mean it's the right way, that it's truth, right? 
Truth, by definition, is exclusive. Not everything can be true. If everything is true, then nothing is false. And if nothing is false, then it would also be true to say everything is false. We cannot have it both ways. One should not be surprised at the claims of exclusivity. Thank you, Ravi Zacharias. Truth means that there are things that are not true. Did I tell you that we are in a real battle? (laughs) And the battle is for truth. The battle is for truth. And so we need to understand, where do we get truth? Let me tell you, I would love, again, I know we all process differently, but I would love, maybe you take notes or add it in your phone or watch it over, listen to it, because this, this is paramount to fighting the battles around us. This is paramount to understanding how we fight and respond to the darkness around us. And it's time for the church to wake up. So I'm praying that we all wake up in our own way and take ownership of this. So number one, where do we get truth? The word of God. We absolutely believe that every word of the original text is absolutely true. First Timothy in the New Testament before Second Timothy, get that, chapter 3, verse 16, New Living Translation says this, all, let's, can we say it together, please? All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in all of our lives. Keep going. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. That is the word of God. We believe that it's inspired by God, written by men who sought his face and heard his voice. We believe that it's true. We believe that when it comes and it plants seeds everywhere, that it will produce a harvest. It will produce what it was sent forth to produce. That's the word of God. That is the powerful word of God. Are you going to believe the word of God? Or are you going to believe what you hear on the news or for someone else, even the man or woman at the pulpit? Please don't believe what I say. You're heading down a road of destruction because I am merely a flawed, broken man. I don't have all this right. But the one who lives inside of me has it all right because he wrote it. And so do you. We're in a battle, a real battle of truth. And we get it from the word of God. Number two, we get it from the ways of Jesus. When the New Testament church was built after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, did they have 1 Timothy? Did they have the gospel of John? Did they have Ephesians and Hebrews and James? No, it hasn't been written yet. What did they have? They had the Holy Spirit, which we're going to get to in a minute. But they had the teachings and the ways of Jesus. Yes, they had the old prophets, the Torah. They had the Old Testament that they used to line up 
to the fulfillment of Jesus, but they didn't have scripture about what Jesus came to do. They didn't have scripture about what the disciples experienced. They had eyewitness accounts and they were teaching Jesus' ways. Jesus said, we sang a song, I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. Wait, wait, did he say the truth? Yeah. That's one of the reasons he was crucified is because he said he was the truth. And that means that he was God. Jesus said, I am the truth and the way. Follow me, believe in me, walk in me, and you will have eternal life. It is the only way to the Father. Friends, you cannot get there by your good looks, which is really good for Pastor Daniel. Stud. Truth. You cannot get to eternal life with God by your business success and your talents and your skill. You cannot. You cannot get to heaven and eternity by the incredible good works that you've done. Yes, you're a good person, but you're not because Jesus said no one is good. We've all fallen short of the glory of God because we've sinned. But Jesus said, I am the way. And guess what? I'm the truth. Believe in me and you will have eternal life. So we get truth through Jesus, which we do read in the word of God. It's a gift to us. We also have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, let's look at that scripture because it's powerful. John 16, 1, this is Jesus before he was resurrected. He said this, when the spirit of truth, is that a typo? Oh, when the spirit of Let's do it again. When the spirit of, ah, I love it. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears from God, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. That's where you find the truth, not Google or Wikipedia. The spirit of God that speaks the word of God that aligns with the ways of Jesus. Look how it all comes together in a beautiful picture. But there's one component missing to find truth. And that's why you're here on Sunday morning. And it's not called preacher man Phil. It's called the person next to you. It's your small groups. That's why small groups are so important. It's the believers, it's fellowship. So number four, it's the fellowship of the family of God. Do you realize that if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're to guide others in truth? Scripture says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns. So there's singing And spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. The Holy Spirit confirms the very word of God. Jesus' ways confirms how we are to live by truth. The word of God shows us God's manual and his blueprint for our design. And the fellowship of the family of God. Do you realize that God speaks to you and to others 
through others to you. Let me try that again. God speaks to you and through you to others. And God speaks to others who have him inside of him, of course, through them to you. And what a powerful thing when we pursue a life of truth through God's word and we line it up with Jesus' ways and we have the Holy Spirit living within us confirming that and other people who are walking with God filled with that Holy Spirit confirming that. That's powerful. That's how we fight this battle of truth. And many of you, many of you have feel like you've already lost the battle. And you need to be reminded that you're not alone. I remember when I was in second grade, second grade, y'all, and I got on my report card. My mom, my mom will remember this. I got on my report card, not a D, not an F. Guess what I got? Suicidal tendencies. Second grade. My parents were told and my teacher told me that I didn't learn well. I was not bright. It's because teachers in the early 80s did not understand how to teach kids who express things and learn things in different ways. It was just textbook teaching. Now we live in a world where every kid, hopefully, depending on your school district, Every kid's going to be met in some way because they realize we're all wired differently. We all learn differently. But I grew up thinking I wasn't smart. I grew up that I wasn't intelligent. My elementary psychiatrist, my counselor, told my parents that I wasn't going to amount to much if I didn't change. I'm serious. I'm not lying. They said I needed mental health help. I still do. Well received, my brother. And at church, I wasn't considered spiritual because I was involved in theater. And if I was doing something worldly, God's not going to reveal his heart to me. And spiritually then, because I wasn't intelligent and I didn't learn well, by the way, guess what? Guess what grades I got? Do you think I got A's? No, I didn't. Why? Because I believed that I wasn't intelligent. Because I didn't learn the way that other kids learned. So I checked out. I believed that I was not smart. And I also believed that I was not useful to God because I wasn't living Right, even though God put that passion and that skill in my heart. And then when I go to college, guess what I took in my baggage? Well, I wasn't smart. So writing papers and studying for tests, it didn't matter. I still got a C on the test. It didn't matter. It's because I believed the lie that I wasn't smart until God got a hold of me, and then I graduated with the 3.67. That's big compared to 2.1, y'all. I won't tell you my ACT score because it's bad. 
how I got into college. Thank you, Jesus. But guess what I brought into college? I brought that out. I, I thought I wasn't good enough. And in high school, I was told, yeah, you're talented, but you're not going to get the solos. I never got the solos. So I just thought, I'll just be in the background. I'm never going to be... I'm never going to be good. Then my professor in theater in my senior year says, I don't know why you're still doing this. You're not going to make it in the professional world. So now I believe the lie that I wasn't good enough. And then I performed professionally for six years. And then God calls me into ministry. And my first job as worship leader, four months into it, guess what they tell me? You don't fit. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything. It's not that anything you did or didn't do, but you don't fit. So reasonably, they let me go. So now I believe I'm not smart. I believe like I don't fit. I'm never going to mount to anything with my gifts and skill. And now I'm not good enough for a church? I wanted to throw the flag in. But the battle of truth is real. But I held on to the real victor named Jesus. And he had something else to say about me. And I was living, believing all these lies about myself. Where does that come from, by the way? It comes from Satan, the real enemy. Let's go to the first account in Genesis. It was perfection. And Satan comes to Eve, and what does he do? He twists the truth just enough. To make it believable, but yet so toxic and destructive. And what does he tell Eve? He tells Eve, God's holding out on you. God's not giving you all that you should have. She says, really? But I thought he made me after his own image, but maybe. He said, no. You can be like God if you eat from this tree. And that's what the enemy does. And from that decision to believe that lie and not the truth that they knew God had given them, they plunged into a world of sin, darkness, lies, and thus started the worship problem. Because we see in Romans 1, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped other things. Hence our worship problem. So how do we fight? We fight with the truth of God. And if God's truth is exclusive that means anything else that rises up against the truth of God is a lie. Eve gave access to Satan to speak truth into her life. 
Let me ask you, who are you giving license and access to to speak truth in your life? Who are you giving access to? And next week, we're going to go deeper into application of truth, but I want to leave you with one thing as the band comes up. Let me ask you a question. What gives you the right to label something in your life? What about your car? What gives you the right to put bumper stickers on them? Whatever you want on there. To paint it whatever color you want. To decorate it however you want. What gives you the right to label that? Students, what gives you the right to label your backpack? What gives you the right to put whatever you want on your phone? Number one, it's because you bought it. Or, number two, you made it. If you made it, it's yours. If you bought it, it's yours. And you can label whatever it is if you own it. Now this afternoon, I'm gonna come over to your house and I'm gonna start putting my name on your things. What are you gonna do? Hopefully you'll kick me out. Because I have no right to label your stuff. Because I didn't buy it, I didn't make it, and I didn't own it. And yet we as Christians allow others to label us when they didn't buy us, they didn't make us, and they don't own us. There is only one person that I know that bought me with his blood. There is only one person that I know that made me in my mother's womb. And there's only one person that I know that owns me. And that is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That's who labels you. Anyone else has no right to label you. No right to tell you who you are. That you're not good enough. That you don't fit that you're not smart enough, that you're not good-looking enough, that you're not successful enough. Who told you that? Would you stand? Because when you believe a label, guess what? It owns you. You become a slave to it. You know what Jesus told us about the truth of God? You will know the truth, and the truth will... Would you please say it with me like you believe it? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I don't know about you, but I am tired of being a slave to the labels that have been put in my life. I am tired to think, I'm tired of thinking and believing that I'm not good enough. I'm tired. Man, you should know my testimony. Do you know why I go back there before I come out? It's because I have to rewind God's tape in my head of who I am and whose I am and what authority I have. You need to do the same and stop believing the labels that have been written on your life by people who haven't bought you, who haven't made you, and they don't 
own you. Someone should clap their hands because truth has been spoken over your life. So let's sing with truth, knowing that we are no longer slaves to fear. We are children of the most high God. If you believe that, sing out, sing your lungs out. Come on. Amen. The Bible says that by the blood of the lamb and through our testimony, we will overcome.